0: On the Shooter's Touch this week, we bring on a Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan who chose the University of Iowa. He is a left-hander who shoots with his right hand, talking about none other than Kenyon Murray. We had a great conversation with Kenyon. He played with some great teammates at Iowa, ACO, Wade Looking Bill, to name a few, and also the late Chris Street. We talked to him about his friendship with Chris and how his death impacted him as a basketball player and in life in general. He has two of his sons playing at Iowa right now, getting some good playing time and playing very well. Talked to him about that. And has he ever lost to them in one-on-one? Our conversation with Kenyon was fun, was great to reminisce about times back in the day. And we hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Here is Kenyon Murray. I got the shooter's touch. Can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right, though, I can tool this. That mic flow, I'm a hooper. I got blue faces. Over- Welcome back, shooters. We are super excited about the next guest on the podcast. It is a former Iowa basketball standout, Kenyon Murray. Welcome to the podcast, Kenyon.
1: Oh, Thanks for having me. I'm excited for it. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, appreciate you taking some time. Um, those listening, obviously a little on delay, but we just got dumped. We Got a foot of snow out there, um, middle of a quarantine. We got all sorts of stuff going on. How how are how are you and the family and everyone holding up over there in Cedar Rapids?
2: Well, things are good. You know, it's it's kind of weird now because things have slowed down so much. Not having Chris and Keegan in the house, but our daughter's she's a freshman. She's playing basketball, so we're kind of chasing her and and uh, my wife and I both got new positions at the start of 2021 so we're still doing some some home onboarding and training and that kind of thing so um really pretty slow <laughs> around the Murray household
1: now that's not not always a bad thing um you mentioned your daughter McKenna she she's a little hooper too right what uh how are things going uh what's her her basketball situation looking like
2: yeah she like her brothers are She's a late bloomer. So physically she's still got to develop. She's about, uh, they list her as six foot in the program. She's about a little over 5'10", just all arms and legs. But, um, you know, as a freshman on varsity at Prairie we've got seven freshmen up and and she started every game. So she's got got a long way to go when it comes to um, just the physical part of it but she's got a good head on her shoulders. She's got a great coach who really teaches uh, which I think with seven freshmen you need that on a varsity, Um, and so she's uh, starting to put things together, Um, and so it's fun to see her kind of develop at her own pace and really not being compared to her brothers, because I think, you know, that can be a little unfair at times, so. (laughs) You
1: you get a chance to coach, uh, I know you coached the boys a little bit when they were younger, you get a chance to coach her or her team at all when they were lower levels?
2: Yeah, yeah, so um, so I've coached her through AAU for the most part, I think there might have been one or two years in there that I didn't, just because I was chasing and coaching Chris and Keegan. But uh, yeah, I help out with our Martin Brothers team, um, really good team where every freshman on that roster is playing varsity basketball. So we're looking forward to having a, a good spring, you know, whatever that looks like as far as the AAU season. So um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for her, um, but she is definitely one to remind me that she's got four coaches on the bench at Prairie and she doesn't need to hear from me, so. <laughs>
1: what uh what's the biggest difference that you found between uh coaching uh girls now versus the boys oh man um
2: probably managing feelings on the bench is probably one thing that's a little bit different um with with McKenna though she's already said she told her head coach at Prairie uh, my my dad yells at me so this this you know really doesn't (laughs) uh, bother me at all Uh, the one thing I did find that was different is um just how you have to, have you have, to, you really like girls are very in tune to doing what you ask them to do. Like they're rule followers, and so if you ask them to do something, they're going to do it. You know, boys on the other hand, they always think their athleticism or something can allow them to do things that you don't ask them to do. Uh, so, so there's a little bit of difference there. But uh, I think probably from a fundamental standpoint, girls are just a little bit more in tune with that to work on the fundamental things than boys are, especially when you get boys that are really athletic um so that's probably the biggest difference
1: yeah I, w- I would agree with you there I think the girls definitely tend to be a little bit more coachable um willing to kind of <laughs> listen where the boys they've seen it on tv they know what to do they don't, what are you talking about coach
2: <laughs> right right I felt that a lot with Chris and Keegan but realized that they were listening now it's just funny um after all those years you just think you're banging your head against the wall and realize now that it, a little bit of it was sinking in so
1: it's kind of like being a parent uh, you're, <laughs> at one point is there, all of a sudden the light bulb going to come on and be like, Oh man, dad, he, he did know. It. Maybe I should have wore a coat. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It, yeah. It's funny how, uh, how life and basketball kind of go, go, go hand in hand like that. But, uh, well, let's maybe jump back here, uh, to, to maybe chat a little bit about your childhood. You know, where'd you grow up? Um, you know, we like to get, you know, the full story mm-hmm. here, you know, sports did you play when you're growing up how did how did sports integrate into your life as a as as a young kid
2: well actually basketball really didn't integrate until later in life so i was born in columbia south carolina and my mom remarried and so we moved to battle creek michigan right around second third grade for me and uh, really wasn't a huge athlete i was kind of dorky and um was really into uh, books, comic books, and I uh, art. I was an artist and I actually played classical viola for, for seven years growing up and really didn't, uh, you know, basketball didn't come into the picture until about eighth grade. So for me, you know, growing up was a lot different, um, just focusing on those other things. Uh, but once I, I got the, the bug for basketball, I just kind of took off for me. And I think starting later in life, I didn't have as many bad habits. So you know, my high school coaches and my AU coaches were able to shape me and mold me. Um, I did, you know, uh, as far as that standpoint. So I did have a two hand shot that was kind of broke. So it took me a while to kind of develop that. But uh, but yeah, growing up in Battle Creek, people probably know it from Kellogg's, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, sports really wasn't a big thing for me growing up. It was all about academics and classical music and artists, you know, those kind of things.
0: Yeah, well, that it's interesting you mentioned that that you know you you start at a later age, uh, which you know there, you you hear about that sometimes, you know, but not a lot anymore. Um, however, you you don't have any bad habits, so that's interesting that you kind of look at it from that perspective, and and you will know, probably very true. You know, some of those, a lot of bad habits are you know from lack of strength or from lack of you know, I guess just 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 you know having any overall athleticism to do things. So it it it's interesting you have that perspective on it.
2: Yeah, no, I think it definitely was helped. The one thing that was funny was I'm, I'm a left hand, I'm left handed. So back then, you know, most of the people I was around were, were right handed players and stuff. And even my coach, because I told you I had that two hand shot, he started getting over to my right side. And so that's really how I developed shooting the basketball from the right, even though I'm a natural lefty and it was funny because in a practice as a sophomore, I threw a full court pass with my left hand. And he's like, Murray, why are you, why are you throwing me with your left hand? I'm like, coach, I'm left-handed. He's like, I wish you would have told me that when I was teaching you to shoot. I was <laughs> like, well, I didn't know any better. You know, I figured you're the coach. You're telling me what you, what's, what's best for me. So that's why I shoot left right-handed now. So, um, wow. yeah, yeah, it was, was, was kind of weird, but uh, yeah, I, I had an unbelievable high school coach and Chuck Turner who really helped me. Um, and he pushed me, you know, day in and day out. And, um, I think with a lot of the accolades I got, he was the guy that wanted them more than me. So he just he pushed and drove me, um, allowed me to make mistakes. And then, uh, like I said, I just had a great group of guys around me um, to help develop me, you know, until I got to the University of Iowa.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So so when athletics did kind of come into your life, you know, was it just basketball? Was it other sports?
2: Yeah, I wanted to play football, but my mom was like, nope. So, <laughs> she had had some brothers that played football growing up, and just saw kind of saw the injuries. And the funny thing is, I went and I tried out, and the coach was you know was going to play me at either tight end or wide receiver. I came home to get the permission slip, permission permission slip signed, and my mom was like, no, because um, she's like, oh, I don't want you to get hurt. And literally, that same uh, I mean, I think it was like three weeks later, I actually broke my ankle playing basketball.
0: So I'm like makes sense. You know,
2: yeah, you know, so, uh, that, that kind of delayed my, um, my development a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, no, just, just basketball and kind of the academic and, and orchestra thing were really kind of what I focused on, like my junior high, high school years.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And then, so, um, obviously, you know, you mentioned some of the accolades that you got personally, how was the team? You know, you, you, you have mentioned you had, had a couple of really good guys around you, you know, how did, how did high school go records and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, uh, I think, you know, it's weird, but you remember stupid stats, but um, I think we were 83 and 11 in my four years of high school. Um, We had some great guys on the team. Uh, My best friend from high school, David Hart, played at Michigan State. Uh, We had other guys on the team that went to Western Michigan, Farley-Dickinson, Central Michigan, Kent State. So there are a lot of really good athletes on that team. Um, We got to the state semifinals one year and... Pretty and we we're knocked out uh, by the eventual either state champion or runner-up uh, two out of the three years um, on varsity for me. So uh, great conference. It was an unbelievable conference where we saw a lot of great players come through. Um, but yeah, we, we 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 definitely had a, a really good uh, team and the way we played the fast breaking the pressing is really one of the big reasons why I came to Iowa because it was just a natural transition for me going from Battle Creek to Iowa. Um, and so it made the made the jump a little bit easier for
0: me. Yeah, you know, um, I feel like a lot of high school players, high school teams would take that 83 and 11 record. Um, it sounds like a couple of rough endings. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a pretty good four years right there. That's for sure. Yeah. It
2: was um,
0: solid. yeah what? Uh, well, you mentioned going to Iowa, you know, kind of a natural transition, as you said. You know, what did um, what did getting recruited in high school look like for you?
2: Oh, uh, well, it was crazy after my sophomore year it kind of blew up from the standpoint of we made the state semifinals. And so that kind of put us on the radar. And as a sophomore, I was a starter in all state. And so probably my sophomore year is where things really started to jump off, where I started getting calls from like Michigan, Michigan State, schools like that. Um, I went to a, a camp in Kentucky. So Rick Pitino really came after me. So when it was all said and done before I chose Iowa, I probably had around 50 to 55. Division One offers. Um, But it was a little bit different back then where we didn't play as many AAU games. So you got recruited based on uh, not necessarily a state AAU tournament, but the national tournament. And then it was really all the camps and stuff you went to because there wasn't as many travel tournaments back then. So you had to go to the Nike camps or the BC All Stars or uh, Five Star, things like that to really get recruited. And so the landscape of AAU basketball recruitment has definitely changed since, yep. since my days. Um, but yeah, it really blew up after my sophomore year. And then once I got invited to the Nike top 100 camp, um, I went from about, I think I went from like a, like in the top 50 to uh, top 15 player after that. And that's really where things kind of exploded going into yep. uh, my senior year.
0: Nice. And so uh, if I social media was around back then, where would your top five have been? Uh, I guess, schools that you had offers from?
2: Yeah, um, Iowa obviously was one on the list. Michigan, Michigan State, um, I really considered there. UCLA and Kentucky, those were the schools. And actually, I I considered Notre Dame for a while, but and Fran was actually the assistant coach at Notre Dame, and he recruited me. And uh, they offered, I think, three or four of my teammates off the same AAU squad. But when digger phelps resigned i really loved digger and i was like if he would have stayed i probably would have went to notre dame um but yes but i but but he resigned and and so for me it really came down to uh, michigan michigan state uh iowa and kentucky those are the four that were and ucla was kind of a far off fifth just because my dad wanted me to go there but because <laughs> he loved ucla and john wood and all that kind of stuff i'm like that but that's like that's Los Angeles. And, you know, that's, that's a long way. So, uh, so those are my five.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. What um, I guess you kind of mentioned it a little bit here, a couple of minutes ago, but what, what made you choose Iowa? Uh,
2: there were a number of things, you know, I, I, I really fell in love with the big 10 watching the 89 Michigan Wolverines with Glenn Rice, Ramil Robinson. Uh, those guys win a national title. So I was like, man, you know, I really want to play in the big 10, obviously with Michigan state just up the road from us as well. Um, But for Iowa, it was just kind of the fit. You know, it was far enough from Battle Creek, but close enough where my mom and dad could come see me. And if I needed to get home, I could get home pretty easily. Um, With being in the Big Ten, my parents were gonna be able to see a lot of games. Um, But then ultimately it was the style of play. And I've mentioned this before, probably the icing on the cake for me was being able to play with Chris Street. So he he was my host on my visit and, funny thing, we just hit it off right away. And I remember on that Sunday when I was heading back to the airport, it was, I'm going to see you here in the fall, won't I? I was like, yeah, I'll be here. So, <laughs> you know, for me, everything just kind of fell in line. I knew I would have an opportunity to play a lot of minutes at Iowa. I knew the style would fit me from the standpoint of up-tempo, pressing. And then obviously having guys like Chris, Val Barnes, uh, James Winters, ACRL on the team as my mentors, uh, I felt that would be very um, beneficial to me.
1: Yeah, no, I I want to jump into some of the guys that you came in with. We'll talk a lot of Iowa basketball here. But uh, just to put this in a little bit of perspective, that's crazy that you went from picking up the sport in eighth grade to kind of starting to hit national radar by the time you were a sophomore in high school. Um, I mean, you talked about the habits, but not only – you know, that you don't have the burnout that maybe some of these younger kids do. And it just shows you that, hey, when you commit to something and you put some hard work in um, and you let a few things fall into place, I mean, that's crazy in that short of a window, you went from, uh, you know, not playing basketball to on campus at Kentucky.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was, It was. Uh, I had a great assistant coach, uh, Greg Williams, who we still talk probably monthly uh, just about, you know, basketball, but he would have the gym open whenever, We wanted it. And for me, I would get up in the morning and go to the local courts. And I would always play. I would go and work on my stuff, usually by myself. And then I would wait around until all the older guys got off of work. And so usually from about five o'clock to like eight or nine at night, I'd be at the basketball courts just playing with these older guys. And and I think that was they were tough on me. They didn't make things easy. So I had to learn how to compete. I wasn't going to be given anything. And I think that was one of the bigger things is just how that transition to how I played. Um, people remembered I was pretty, uh, you know, I was pretty emotional, you know, I play with a lot of energy, but a lot of that was just because I got my butt handed to me so many times on a, on a hard course, uh, with men that are 25, 30 years old, and I'm here 16 years old. I think that kind of helped shape me, but uh, I learned how to score on bigger guys. And then as my skill level, you know, increased, um, it kind of matched my intensity. And that's, like you said, things just kind of fell into place after that.
1: Well, and then kept falling into place because your senior year, Mr. Basketball up in Michigan. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. There was a lot of good, uh, a good friend of mine, Dugan Fife, was up for it. Uh, You know, Dugan played at Michigan. And really my high school coach, I'd never seen my high school coach wear a suit. He was always like sweatsuit. You know, he may have an occasional sweater vest on with some slacks, but he really played the, the politician that year for me. Uh, really scheduled a great, we had an unbelievable uh, schedule where we went to Indiana and played a lot of top teams. We went to, we were nationally ranked. We were ranked in the top 10. And so he did everything he could to, to push me. Uh, he knew I would, he knew I would perform. He knew I would have the numbers, but he knew because I decided to go to Iowa and the other top contender, Dugan Five had decided to go to Michigan he knew that there would be some kind of political haggling there and so uh coach at any point in time he he pushed me as the best player in the state and and obviously it worked out but i wouldn't have got it without him for sure
1: no that's great that's uh that's quite the jump like i said from picking up the sport but uh so then you mentioned it. you obviously uh chose iowa um dr tom we'll get into some of those stories with dr tom here in a minute but uh, a couple of guys that you came in with uh obviously montier uh, Russ Millard, and then yourself, obviously c- coming in as as freshman. Uh, what was it like that that first year on campus, um, coming in? So that would have been ACRO, Wade Lookingville were seniors that year. So you're coming in on campus. Obviously, you're highly touted, Mr. Basketball in Michigan. Um, what was it? What was it like stepping on campus? And then what was the hardest transition for you? The
2: part of the hardest transition for me was uh, the physical part of it. It was funny because I always tried to you know, cause I was, I was pretty athletic coming in. And so I remember kind of that welcome moment was when we were playing open gym and I went to the hoop for a dunk and it was actually Chris put me on my butt and I called a foul. He's like, no, nah, that's not a foul in the big 10 freshman," And then he just went the other way. So I'm like, okay, okay. These are a little bit different now here, um, but probably the balance of academics, you know, I, I think I really, I, I know I struggled to balance all that out my freshman year. Uh, first time away from home, um, you know, school had always been pretty easy for me. I, you know, 3.8 grade point average coming out of high school, but I really had to buckle down. And then balancing that with the weights and the study table, and then throwing practices, that was probably the, the toughest thing was just how to balance everything out and be productive um, as a student athlete. Um, that first semester was pretty tough for me, but uh, once again, you know, I had Chris kind of always pick me up on my bootstraps. He knew when I was frustrated, and you know, he would take me into the gym and just kind of work on stuff. Or he knew he would take me back to Indianola, you know, and just kind of hang out to get away from things. And so he was he was definitely a saving grace for me that first semester. Um, and obviously, you know, um, actually next Tuesday he it was his birthday, and he'd be forty nine. Um, so you know, for me, he was pivotal in that transition to get me to take mostly to stay sane that first that first semester. Um, but yeah, the, the, the balancing act of being a student
1: athlete was probably the toughest thing for me. And that is, I mean, that's tough. And I'm sure that uh, your boys would say the same thing right now. You come in and you're trying to balance everything that you have going on. Obviously, uh, playing at a high level, playing the Big Ten is physically exhausting. But to make sure that you have everything in line um, in your day-to-day just becomes mentally exhausting. And when you have both those together, uh, you definitely need someone there to help and guide and. Um, obviously, as you mentioned with Chris Street, just, just speaks to him, uh, obviously, as a player. And we know how talented he was on the court, but as a guy, too, and as a person to be able to... You know, he would have been a junior right year when you came in and knowing that, uh, obviously, you're, uh, uh, you know, away from home, away from Michigan, and, and being like, hey, here we go. This kid's got some potential, and I'm going to kind of bring him under my wing.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I spent more time with him than probably anybody, my, even my roommate, who was Monterre. Uh But, yeah, no, it, 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 it was was huge for us and um, you know I think for my boys it's a little different with COVID you know because there's not some of the other outside distractions that we had as, as freshmen with the uh, social life and that kind of thing um, but for them I think having a class of five is, is really big too because they can kind of lean on each other obviously Keegan's gotten the most minutes out of that group but they're they're all really close and they can balance each other out and Chris and Keegan taking a post-grad year is a little bit different too because it gave them a year of kind of adjustment, and I think, shoot, if I had that, I probably would have done a post-grad year, too, but um, yeah, for them, I think they couldn't have asked for a better group, much like me, there's a lot of vets on the team, a lot of seniors, and I definitely feel like that's helped them and the other freshmen really make the adjustment, especially during this COVID environment right now where they're isolated from everybody else.
1: Well, and I think consistency helps with that, too. Obviously, Dr. Tom was uh, well established. And as you mentioned, some of those guys that had been there, you know, in that time, four years was the norm. Obviously, now that's that's definitely changed. But same thing for the boys, too. I mean, having having Fran, uh, you know, well established and having some of those vets there just seems to help with the transition a ton.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It really does. And I think they're embracing it. You know, they're students of the game. So they're, they're sponges. They're just learning from those guys. And um, we have a chance to, you know, everybody thought the sky was falling because we lost at home in Indiana, but that's just the way the Big Ten is this year. It's, it's tough, and you see Rutgers go on the road and beat Indiana. I mean, you know, that's the thing that you can't get too high, too low, and the one thing that'll be different from anybody that watches my boys from watching me is that they don't have the highs and lows. Like, like I was an emotional, like, fireball. Like, you notice they just, same demeanor, never changes, and actually our daughter, uh, her coach called her out. He's like, Kenna, I don't even know, are you excited? And she's like, yeah, that's just how I am. I'm just like my brother. So they get that even keelness from, uh, from their mom, probably a little bit more um, just being calm and cool on the floor.
1: I was going to say, I remember the high energy. I remember you, uh, whenever we needed a rebound, you'd go grab one or, or get a defensive stop. And so talk, talk a little bit about that. Obviously, your role um, at Iowa, I would assume, obviously, I don't know your high school numbers, but I would assume changed a little bit because, like I said, you kind of fit that role of uh, you know, a good defender and an athlete that could go rebound, um, you know, finding your role because you had some guys around you that had the ability to score, but uh, you you worked your way into the lineup uh, quick, even as a freshman.
2: Yeah, no, it was just uh, kind of the same thing. I told Chris and Keegan, I go as a freshman, if you defend and rebound, you can find minutes on the floor, coach will find minutes. And that's kind of where mine came because you said, like you said, I wasn't leaned on for scoring. Um, obviously in high school is a different story kind of did everything. But um, even early in my high school career, I was known as a defender and rebounder. And so that's kind of where I, I you know, stake my claim is like, this is my thing. And then I was just able to kind of excel in coach Davis's system uh, defensively. Um, I always took it as a challenge to take the other team's best guy. And and back in that day, every big 10 team had a NBA uh, player on it. Even 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 uh, Northwestern had Kevin Rankin and Pat Baldwin, guys like that, that play at the next level so for me it was a challenge every night you know you got Jalen Rose one night then you got Michael Finley the next night you might slide over to Sean Respert and then okay let's just throw in Grant Hill because we're playing Duke tonight you know so so there was a lot of guys um, that you had to go against but for me I just kind of took it personally there and and Tom uh, his system was great for me and so uh, so yeah but I, you know I think defense especially to be really good it's, it's something that comes from the heart and you really have to want it and that was something I always take my I claim one it's like I was the best defender on
1: the team, so yeah. You know. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a good thing to hang your hat on. But uh, you mentioned it. Talk a little bit about that trip to Cameron um, Indoor, and uh, um, obviously the stories and, and kind of how things play out with Chris. But in uh, the amount of talent that was on the floor, uh, you know, everyone. I think both sides has said that uh, at that night, no doubt, Chris was the best best player on the floor. But uh, what was that trip like uh, to Duke, and and ultimately how things shook out for you guys? It was like playing in a
2: cracker box first of all it was just it's not very big and it's you know it's not very intimidating when you look at it from the outside but the craziest thing about cameron indoor was when you came out usually you came out you know a couple hours before tip off and, and you know got loosened up and shot the cameron crazies were already there so if you were just messing around and you shot an air ball or something like that i mean they're screaming it before the game even starts so Pretty intimidating from from that standpoint, just kind of the ambiance. But once the game started, things settled down, and, and that was a that was a really good Duke team. I mean, they they didn't have Christian Layner, but Bobby Hurley, Thomas Hill, Cherokee Parks, Grant Hill. You know, we had AC and Val and Chris, and so there was a lot of talent on the floor. Um, and, I th- and we we played really well. Um, it was just you know they that home court advantage, but yeah, I think a lot of people thought Chris Street was the best on the floor that day and obviously um, had a chance at a bright future in the NBA. But, yeah, man, there, there's there's very few places like Cameron Indoor. Very few.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's something you'll definitely uh, hold on to and cherish, I'm sure, and tell the boys a little bit about. But um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. So what do you remember uh, about that uh, tragic evening with, uh, with Chris and his passing?
2: Well, the ironic thing is that I rode there with him. He... Uh, James Winters, myself, and Kim Fenton, Chris's girlfriend at the time. We rode out together, uh, but Chris and Kim had a class, and so I, James and I were going to get a ride back to campus with the managers. And so really the last thing I remember is him just walking out, you know, saying, hey, I said, hey, I'll see you later because I was going to come over and uh, hang out. And when James and I left with the managers, we saw the accident, but we didn't, it really didn't register because like James said, hey, he goes, man, that, that car was, it looked like Chris car's like, oh, no, he's been gone. You know, he left a half hour ago. Um, and then so I got dropped off and, uh, you know, it's recorded, like James said, he and the managers went back and just because it was an uneasy feeling. And I did the same thing when I walked in the dorm room and I told Montero, I was like, dude, I think something's wrong. And he's like, what do you mean? And literally when he said that, the phone rang and it was our manager saying they were coming to pick us up. There had been an accident. And, um, you know, for us, you know, it, it it was really tough because we were all close. Never seen Tom cry, and uh, you know, he he was emotionally, um, you know, I don't, he he didn't know top, you know, up from down. But I think he he handled it the best way he could. Um, it was a really tough couple of weeks where we really didn't do anything basketball related. It was just trying to get through him not being there. How do we grieve? Um, and uh, you know, coming back and, and playing Michigan State with literally no practices and. <laughs> You know, everybody on E, it was just one of those surreal moments where you're like, yeah, he was here tonight. You know, it was was like he was on the floor. There was a few steals that I got or maybe a few shots that Val hit that, you know, he helped guide those in. But, uh, yeah, it was was just a a crazy time. And, you know, speaking of that, I just think, you know, Mike and Patty have done such a great job in keeping his memory alive and not just alive but thrive. And, you know, they – they really epitomize strength and belief in a higher power because I don't know if I could get through it like that. And, um, those two have been, you know, two of the, the, the most inspirational people I've ever met in my life. And obviously, uh, I was just texting with Mike last week, you know, on the anniversary and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, man, it's, it, it was tough for us. And, um, for me personally, it took, um, many, many years to really kind of go through that grieving process. Uh, but you know, I, my life was blessed to have him as long as I did so
1: yeah goosebumps reliving that I I remember specifically sitting in the kitchen and uh it coming on the tv on the news and I it took me a while to even believe that it was real obviously as a young kid and you know growing up watching you guys I was like that's like you just don't want to believe it and um just a crazy a crazy uh spur of events and then and then as you mentioned obviously coming back and not knowing when and what's the right time and how this works and obviously having his parents sit front row um you know you mentioned michigan state but then also i want to hear a little bit about your thoughts on that michigan game uh they recently uh, ran that back uh the other day uh, or a couple of weeks ago now and so we kind of all got to relive it but uh <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Obviously, the Fab Five uh, coming into Carver, and uh, you guys on a on a pure wave of emotion.
2: Well, there was a little, there's a there's a couple backstories of back to that because Michigan actually visited my house before, and like the next day, I decided to go to Iowa. Um, so there was a little bit of animosity there. Um, you know, obviously, uh, a couple of guys on the team really didn't think that I belonged coming to Michigan. So there was a little chip on my shoulder for that. Um, But I think from the standpoint of energy, that is the, I I don't think I've ever heard Carver as loud as that. I mean, it was rocking from start to finish. And there's really, even though we got down early, I I felt like we controlled the game the entire time. And, you know, we just, we, we made some plays and obviously Val and AC were huge that game. And and I had a pretty good game, but it was just the energy of Carver Hawkeye that kind of pushed us through. I'd never played in a game even close to that when it comes to the intensity and stuff like that. So so it was huge for us. You know, they were a top five team. Obviously, that looked really good on our, on our record. But uh, it was more about winning that game for Mike and Patty
1: and the girls
2: uh, than anything else.
1: Did AC really have his shirt on inside out and backwards in that game? Always. <laughs> always
2: he <laughs> he he had, he had some little quirky things that he did but yeah shirt inside out and backwards always <laughs> oh
1: man and and confirm or deny longer nets at carver allowed you guys to set up in the press
2: if you realize one end was longer than the other the nets that the opposing team was going to uh, those those nets were always a little bit longer but yeah it's uh I, I will confirm that they were longer. I, I cannot confirm why they were longer, but um, let's just say that, uh, yeah, it helped a little bit.
1: Oh man, that's the, like the first thing you notice, or at least I would, you get in the gym. i like, man, where do they get those nets? Those are some long nets, but uh, that's- Super long. That's super great. Long. Um, yeah. So then uh, one class, too, obviously the guys that uh, uh, came in behind you uh, had a couple guys on there, a couple characters, obviously, and, and Jeff Settles and Chris Kingsbury, which had to have been a lot of fun to play with, too. But uh, also um, Andre Woolridge, too, which I, still to this day, how I mean, Andre Woolridge, that dude was nasty. Like, how did he not get any run um, in the NBA at all? Yeah, no, you know, sometimes it's timing. Um, and, and they put they put a lot of stock back
2: then on on workouts in the combine. I think now with so much technology available to people that they can kind of put together a lot of things. And if you have a bad showing at a combine or at a workout, it went a long way to not, um, you know, giving you the opportunity to, to, to maybe get drafted. And and so I wasn't really sure, you know, we all thought that maybe that was part of it. Um, he, you know, he got a couple of tryouts and stuff like that. And, and obviously he went overseas and played played well, but yeah, Andre was one of the best players I ever played with. And I actually saw him in high school because um, he went to Nebraska his freshman year, but I saw him um, out in Vegas in a summer AAU game against Jason Kidd, where I think uh, Dre had a triple double, Jason had a quadruple double. And I mean, the, the gym was packed like six, seven people deep on the wall watching that game. And when I saw him there, I was like, I mean, I, I obviously at the end I didn't know that I would play with him, but holy smokes, man, he was unbelievable. Um, you know, and one funny thing is that nobody could ever force him left. Like, it was like, you know, if you force him left, you might be able to stop him. But Dre always had that really funky move where he would look like he's pushing it to his left and go back between his legs and then get back to the right. And it's just like, Nobody could ever cut so that showed you how good he was that nobody could ever force him and left but uh, but yeah no he, he was one of the most talented guys I ever played with at Iowa and Kingsbury uh, greatest shooter um, that I've ever been around when you can stand flat footed at half court and and knock down a shot um, one you're strong and two you're just unreal. And I think one of the things with Chris that went unnoticed was just how athletic he was. I mean, a dude could jump and go between his legs and dunk it, like, you know, back then when nobody was doing that kind of thing. And then settles you. I mean, what do you say? You know, big ten freshman of the year. Um, you know, he probably won the old man of the year award too, you know, because he played so many, so many years. But nobody worked harder than Jess. Um, you know, we we fed off his energy, he fed off the energy of the crowd. So so yeah, that was an interesting uh group of guys but probably the one that you know made me pull out whatever hair i had back then was was kingsbury but you know i love him uh he and i got along great um and uh yes it's it's crazy to think back to those teams and just how how good we were but just how good the big 10 conference was back then too
1: oh yeah absolutely i mean the conference as you mentioned was just stacked (laughs) but uh yeah, no, that's ah, uh, that's that's funny about Kingsbury, cause yeah, he was upper body strong, man. That that dude, I mean, you just look at him and you could tell he was put together and he could bomb. And yeah, Woolridge is that in and out move between his legs, and then <laughs> the one handed like full court bounce pass. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because that was yeah. usually me on the other end of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say there was. I, I put together quite a few of those in high school too, and that's all uh, credit to Woolridge. And um, and then uh, obviously, then shortly after that, then Bruce Bowen came in as well, and obviously he put together uh, quite the career. And so yeah, you guys had um, had some talent, had some teams, um, and obviously uh, put together some good runs through the Big Ten and into the NCAA tournament. But uh, I also got to ask. So, so Dr. Tom. Um, a heck of a basketball mind, but a heck of a dude and even more of a character. What's uh, What do you got for us on uh, a Dr. Tom's story?
2: <laughs> oh, man. The funniest thing is when he would get mad, which, you know, really wasn't too often. Uh, but when we would get into, and he usually didn't do it in the, in the arena. It was usually at halftime. But he would, he, would, he would pick out a word that started with a P, and he would call us that. But his voice would get so high pitched when he called us that, like literally <laughs> half of us were trying not to laugh, even though we knew he was mad and we knew we had to do some things. But just hearing Coach say a derogatory word like that was kind of like, come on, Coach, like, you know, because he is, he's so nice. But, but that was one of those things, like when he said it, you knew he was mad. And we knew we had to get things. But, but the best thing about Tom was he understood balance for student athletes. Um, I remember one time in particular, and this might have been maybe my junior year or maybe my senior year, we're practicing and we had a couple rough, rough road games and we're kind of beat up. And you know, we're in practice and literally halfway through practice, he sits us down. We think we're going through some video or chalk talk and then Whitey's ice cream and Buffalo Wings and all that kind of stuff get rolled into the arena and we're just sitting like, yep, yeah, practice is over and you know, enjoy it. And then after the season, it'd be like, hey, take your time away. I don't wanna see you guys in the gym for two weeks, get your academics in order, be be students. You know, he he, he understood balance with that and, and he and I, you know, he congratulated me when Chris and Keegan signed and um you know, just a just a good dude. You know, I know I drove him nuts sometime. I I know I did. Um, because I as sometimes I was one that didn't mind speaking up and saying what was on my mind. Um and so uh so, yeah, so he and I had some moments. I've been kicked out of practice a couple of times. But, you know, to this day, um, he's been one of my, my best mentors, best coaches, and definitely giving me some some life advice that has uh, has definitely put me on the path that I'm on right now.
1: Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing but good things about Dr. Tom, but always a good story, too. And it's, it's funny you say that because the, the guys I know that played for him said the same thing, too. It's, oh, geez. Like, it always – the high voice always comes out with Dr. Tom. So, um, yeah. but uh, – uh, so one other thing too, I gotta ask uh, about is, do you, and hopefully you were a part of this, but um, remember when it would have been your senior year, or in around that time, you guys would go out and you would travel um, after the season, and you go to oh, area high Stormers. schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to the area high schools and you'd play against. I think at the time, like some of the seniors on the high school area or whatever. Yeah. um so it would have been your senior year because it it was russ uh millard's senior year uh came up to algona um my oh, high yeah. school and russ goes off the wall alley oop spiders the backboard do you remember this he broke the backboard <laughs> we, had play high school. we had
2: to play half court the rest of the, yeah that was awful <laughs> it's like come on dude we're like and we're asking we're asking Randy Larson at the time who helped us organize. We're like, dude, are we going to get charged for that? Like, is that going to come out of our bar store money? And Randy's like, well, hopefully I have insurance, you know? So yeah, yeah, no, I, I do remember that. And Russ had, Russ had broken some backboards uh, in high school too, I know, when he was at Wash. So it is surprising that he did. But that was the one thing, Montero, and I was like, dude, man, this is going to come out of our stash, dude. So, so we were more worried about that than the backboards. So. That is
0: great.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, it, that was interesting. You had to go a, a, on the side court. But uh, I, I yeah. and it's funny, too, because then I saw Russ that summer at UNI camp. He came and spoke at UNI camp and I went up and asked him about it. He's like, I was scared to death. He goes, I thought you were going to make me pay for it. but uh, See, as, <laughs> all as, the same Yeah, you know, as it turns out, though, I, I got to give him a thank you because uh, I don't know if that was what did it. But we went from the fan backboards. Um, and finally got some of the rectangle ones on the main hoops. So maybe maybe a yeah. thank you is in order for us for doing that.
2: That still amazed me when I got to Iowa. One, that we're still playing on fan backboards.
1: Two, that
2: there was – I never I never heard of six-on-six six girls basketball. And when I saw that for the first time, my freshman I was like looking at my chair, I'm like, what is this? You know, so uh, there are a few things that I hadn't seen in a long time or ever when I came to Iowa. But obviously it's been good. I've been here since 92, so – <laughs>
0: yeah, well, thank you, Russ. I guess, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Well, uh yeah, I guess let's let's go back a little bit here. I, I know I asked you about your recruiting process. Um, How did what was the same? What was not the same about uh, your boys getting uh, recruited?
2: Um, you know, here, the one thing that came that was very different is just making the decision on where you had to go. You know, to get recruited or what AAU team you played on. And, and you know, for me. We were one of the top eight, Uh, K-Zoo Blues out of Kalamazoo, Michigan was one of the top AU programs in the state. And literally, we were one of the only ones in the Western side. So the one thing was just trying to figure out where they played. I had my own program for a while. Um, They played for Team Iowa for a while. And then we made a decision for them to finish up their AU career with the Barnstormers just because we saw how much success the Barnstormers had. And, you know, honestly, as a dad, I was wondering, had I done them a disservice by coaching them? you know, and and having them under my wing because they're, you know, because I saw what their potential was, but once again, they were late bloomers. So, um, so that was probably the thing that was the biggest difference, just trying to figure out where to play, where to go, what tournaments, you know, do we go to Vegas? Do we go to these tournaments all over the place? When, you know, I always said no, because most of the kids in the Midwest usually stay at Midwest schools. So why go out West and do that kind of thing? Um, So that was probably the biggest thing for me. I didn't have as many options. And as a dad, when you want the best things for your kid, you know, I think a lot of us look back and like, oh man, you know, am I doing the right thing for my son? Um, But going to Barnstormers was the best move for him. Having Tanner Carlson, he's a head coach at Central City and AD, having him coach the boys was unbelievable for them. And then getting some advice from uh, one of my coaches at Iowa, Rich Walker, and then from Fran too on sending up to post-grad after high school uh, was probably the, the saving grace for them being able to show that they belonged in the Big Ten at Iowa.
0: Yeah I mean we've, we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast that I mean even when when you know Brian and I were in high school there was one AU team Martin Brothers and then mm-hmm. my dad and a couple other dads started AU team for us and then an Iowa select team so maybe three maybe four up out there and now there's three or four in my town that I live in. Like it's, right. it's just nuts. But um, so a lot, AAU has changed a ton, a ton. Um, So, so who all, who all recruited them? I know you said they were a little bit of a late bloom, uh, late bloomers, excuse me. Um, you know, where were they getting looks and uh, who did, who were, who were they considering at the end? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So they had a really good summer with the Barnstormers. Um, and most of it was D2, you know, I mean, you're talking about Emporia State, uh, Northwest Missouri State, um, obviously Upper Iowa, uh, Southwest Minnesota State with Bigler. You know, they were getting a ton of D2 looks and really some and the first D1 to really show a lot of interest was the Citadel out of South Carolina, which literally is where, you know, it's it's about an hour and a half where I grew up, you know, where Mm -hmm. I was born. Um, But uh, but they kind of fell off. and, And the only D1 offer they got was from Western Illinois. And so we sat down and was like, hey, you know, what do you think? They're like, well, we think we can play at a higher level. But at that point in time, we were really considering the junior college route. And um, because a lot of the prep, prep schools, it's really expensive to go there. And I'm sitting here with like two kids trying to figure out, am I going to be able to do it? And uh, Fran kind of came, came in and said, hey, you know, um, well, Rich first, Rich Walker, his son Michael went from Iowa City West to Kent um, prep school out in Massachusetts. And then Michael was able to go to SMU. And so coach is like, yeah, you, you know, look at that route. And then after the all Eastern Iowa all-star game, friends like, Hey, they, they got a chance. Cause he hadn't seen them play for a couple of years. He's like, they got a chance, you know, think about prep school. So that's when we really started thinking about it, just because the boys were like, we feel like we're better. Cause we went to Western Illinois. They played in the scrimmage against the guys and they were probably two of the top three players there. So in their heart, they're like, we know we can play at a high major. We just need enough, you know, we need some more development. And um, literally it was the the head coach at Muscatine who knew a guy at a prep school at DME in Florida that called them and said, Hey, you need to look at these two Murray kids. And then I got a phone call. So it wasn't even anything that I did. It was kind of like an indirect thing, how we ended up in, in Daytona beach, but well, see, even funnier is the guy, one of the, uh, the founders of DME sports Academy, uh, drafted me out of Iowa into the CB CBA. Uh, Dan Panaggio was the head coach for the Quad city thunder and he and his brother, Mike founded DME sports Academy in Daytona beach. And so things just started kind of coming together. <laughs> like it was so weird. Um, but, uh, But yeah, it was, that was kind of the process for them. Um, We didn't want to waste that year in junior, not waste, but we felt like a a post-grad year would be better for them as opposed to a junior college year. And obviously um, it's worked out that way.
0: Yeah. We've heard so many stories too about, you know, how just the basketball community is, you know, so connected, no matter if it's from Iowa to Florida, from Maine to California, you know, just, just, just so connected, which is, Which is cool to talk about those stories but so um after high school they went down to florida by themselves or did did the whole family go down there what did that look like
2: no we're so my wife and i both work remotely from home and so she works for the university of iowa hospitals and so her and i started talking like okay if we send them down there you know what what were we looking at as far as cost because dme does provide scholarships and so when they went down and they worked out and they're like yeah we want both the guys and we're going to give you full athletic scholarships so the only thing we had to pay for like room and board and that kind of thing. So looking at the cost, it was like, okay, what can we do? And my wife just started throwing them like, what if I go down there with them? I was like, what? She's like, yeah, as long as it's like, okay. So then we started figuring out, okay, three bedroom apartment, close to campus. What can we do? And so, yeah, so we moved them down there. Actually, we're on our way to move them in in August and got sidetracked by the hurricane that was coming through Florida. And so we ended up staying in Atlanta for a week, which is where my wife's youngest brother Mitchell lives so we hung out with him for a week but uh but yeah that's kind of how we got down there and so she she was there my daughter and I we could catch an Allegiant flight straight to Orlando and you know be there in no time and so it it really worked out And we look at it as you know this is this was you know we were very spiritually centered and and we're like you know this is God's plan for us like we're supposed to do this sh- you're supposed to be in a position, my wife, to be able to be there with them. And I think, and they said that having her there feeding them four or five times a day um, really helped benefit their growth. And um, it gave them a sense of home, even though they weren't home. And uh, I think definitely helped with their first time really being away from Iowa. Um, having her there, I mean, was monumental in not only their development and their growth, but probably their sanity too.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's great. So, all right. Last question I have about, um, about your boys recruiting. Did they always know they wanted to stick together or, or was the plan always to, always to go to the same school?
2: Uh, it was from, from this standpoint, but I asked Keegan, would there be any school that they offered you and didn't offer Chris that you would go to? He's like, well, if North Carolina came in and offered me, I'd probably <laughs> go there without him. <laughs> so, but I think, um, in all, you know, they, they wanted to stay together. I mean, it's very rare that twins break up, um, especially identical twins like them. And um, I think their skill sets really uh, match up, even though they're similar, they're different. And I know that, that was the one thing I was impressed with Fran was that he identified them differently. Like, I see Keegan doing this. I see Chris doing this. Like, but everybody else was always kind of comparing the two of them. And Fran was the one I was like, no, 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 no. They're different kids. They look alike, but they're completely different kids. And and for me, that was that was huge because Fran was really recruiting the kid, and he felt like they'd be a good fit there with him. So
1: yeah, and as it as it's worked out, um, obviously been a good thing um, for the boys. And uh, so far this year, Keegan obviously stepping up in a big way, getting some getting some. Some big minutes for the Hawks and uh, making some big shots or some big free throws, some big plays. Um, what what do you see as as the future roles for these guys? I I mean, from my perspective, watching the games, uh, you know, didn't get a chance to watch Keegan or Chris or either one of them in in high school, but uh, so I'll be anxious to see because Keegan showing me that he's probably a more athletic version of Nicholas Bear and the fact that he just comes in and kind of makes the hustle plays and does what coaches ask. And so now, if all of a sudden he develops a little bit of that stretch knockdown type of situation, then we, we could really be onto something here.
2: Well, the reality is Chris Keegan has always been a shooting guard or small forward. So he's, he's an unbelievable shooter. You know, that's a part of his game people haven't seen. And, and one thing that he developed at DME was being able to score at all three levels. And I think his athleticism definitely shows that he can finish in the paint. Um, but people haven't even seen what kind of shooter he can be. I mean, honestly, Chris has always been a better rebounder. Um, he's, he's a great on-ball defender, um, you know, ones, twos, and threes, Chris can guard out there, um, but then, too, he's a slasher, and he, and, he, and he likes to mix it up. So a lot of what Keegan has done, um, I would say Chris was better at coming into Iowa, um, and Chris's shot and things like that have really developed. So I think the sky's a limit, um, not only for, for those two, but I think for this freshman class, which, you know, I throw Patrick in there as well, um, the length and athleticism and scoring ability of those guys is going to be unbelievable where you know yeah we'll lose a lot this year but I think this group has a chance to be good for the next few years and um, like I said for me people think it's you know it's like how's Chris doing how's Chris doing Chris is so happy twins are different they just got this weird relationship and it's funny if you ever listen to an interview um, and you ask and they ask Keegan a question he usually answers it with we or us and that's referring to his brother, you know, usually not anybody else. But um, I think the sky's the limit. You know, they, they definitely have with their size and the length, they've increased their vertical by five inches since they've been in Iowa. So athleticism or most athletic and Kristen Keegan-Murray has never been said in the same sentence until now. So um, so I'm excited for him. And for me as a dad, it's just, I love being dad. I say this fan stuff sucks because you used to be on the bench and making decisions, but I think they, they definitely have a chance to be really good players at the university.
1: Yeah, no excited for their, uh, excited for the future. And yeah, no slouch. I mean, they were both up 20, 20 plus points a game in high school their senior year. So they can, they can both score when need to. And eventually, like you said, as you, you find those roles, find those minutes, um, just continue to improve. And like you said, that bond that those guys have always have a rebounder, always have a guy you can battle with. Um, like you said, they, one success is the other success, and so that's great. We're 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 excited to watch their growth. Um, uh, this looking at this year, obviously we got a, a solid team. What do you, what do you think? What's what's the ceiling um, for the team this year, and uh, what what are we going to be looking at here in March?
2: Well, I, I think the one thing we see that the Big Ten is is very very good, top to bottom. And I think for our team, having a, a loss like Indiana um, is a good thing because now you know. They may have, most people say, well, they Indiana's the blueprint for beating Iowa, but Iowa also has shown that they can adapt and learn from that. And so I think understanding, you know, where double teams and things like that are going to come now as we battle down the stretch, um, the, the depth of this team, I think, you know, depending on what happens with CJ, if, he, if he's missing for a while, we have enough guys to really fill that void, um, to still be versatile. Um, but I think still it's going to come down to getting stops when we need to get stops because our offense though, we shot really bad against Indiana. That's kind of an apparition, had a couple of games like that. I mean, Gonzaga, you think about it, if we shot our percentages that game from the free throw line and three point line, we win by 10, honestly. I mean, that's how really close it is. So I think definitely sure enough, our rebounding and defense are going to be a big key for how far this team can go. But I think, uh, with the group we got, we score points. I, I actually get bored watching other Big 10 games because I'm like, gosh, these teams struggle to score and we don't, so we're, we're kind of spoiled in that respect. But, um, you know, like I said, I think Fran's got a lot of things he can go with. Um, Indiana was an apparition and we're a good enough team where we can bounce back and, and be ready to go in Illinois, which is a tough, tough one for us this coming Friday, but um, I'm excited about the group. And I think Fran is too. Um, we just, like I said, just got to learn from our mistakes and um, move forward and be better tomorrow.
1: Definitely feels like a little bit more of a different friend this year. Um, obviously, uh, a, a, little, a little bit calmer on the bench. I mean, you can still tell he gets worked up on a few things, but I think uh, holistically he is, you know, bought in with these guys and the guys are bought in with him too. So I think he can kind of... Feels like he can take a little bit of a back seat, um, which is great. I mean, a coach's goal always. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's a, that's the great thing about college basketball is, you know, you can take a few lumps. And as long as you're learning from them, once the brackets come out and everyone's set in March, we all have the same opportunities. And so I definitely think uh, if this team gets hot, even if they're not hot, I mean, they just have enough talent that I, if I was playing across from them, I would not want to match up against them in March.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I wholeheartedly agree. So I think it's going to be fun, um, you know, to see what happens this year. And hopefully we stay healthy and safe. I think Iowa's done a phenomenal job when it comes to keeping their players isolated. I think we just had three positives out of 100 or 350 uh, tests this last week. So they've done a phenomenal job of keeping everybody uh, safe and healthy at the university. So as long as we can do that, the sky's the limit for this group.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, those, those positive and negative tests are uh, obviously a big deal this year. Um, You know, but I think just overall the college basketball season has been, been great. I mean, obviously some cancellations and, you know, the postponements, but I think we should have expected that. And, you know, a lot of people are making a pretty big deal out of it when, like I said, it should have been expected, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, looking forward to keeping, um, you know, the, the Hawkeye train rolling here. And I think you're right about that Indiana game. I mean, it, watched it and was there a blueprint that everybody saw you know maybe but um you know that team is is you know has enough old older older guys playing that they uh they've they've seen a couple things and they know how to they know how to come back from that so yeah Um, absolutely well we like to end our podcast episodes with a little section called rapid fire so brian's going to hit you with a couple questions some related to basketball some not and uh you just tell us what you think
1: okay sounds good all right here we go um first one we, we talked about this early but uh favorite visiting arena that you had an opportunity to play in
2: i'm gonna say uh illinois just because I
1: averaged the most points at Illinois (laughs) than any other school.
0: (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Uh,
1: I liked it. Yeah. That's a great reason why. And I was going to ask too, I was a big 10 too. I wanted to know. So Illinois, that's a, that's a good one and a good reason why. So um, we talk a lot about sneakers on, on the pod too. So uh, do you have a favorite basketball shoe?
2: Oh, I'm probably going to say, I think it's the Jordan fours. Like those, those are the ones that I, i like the most uh, i've never bought a pair i told my wife that someday i'm going to buy a pair of joints for myself but, but those are probably the ones i like the most
1: yeah the fours that's a good one well, that one's come up a couple times on the pod but uh you guys you guys were uh heavy and was it the uptempos that you guys wore when you were at iowa
2: yeah i think yeah, it was, was uptempos
1: and then i think um I think Andre had those. uh, I think they were the up tempos with like the ones that had the changeable straps, but he never actually put the straps on it.
2: Oh yeah. 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 That was Dre. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So, so right now, um, obviously with minus the foot of snow or if we go to the gym um, and you go one on one versus the boys, you're going to be able to hold your own. Who wins? They win hands down, not even close.
2: (laughs) I'll forfeit before I go out there and break something.
1: When, when was the first time? When was the turning point? Do you remember when you're like, okay, this, this, this is over?
2: Here, here's the interesting thing. I really have never played them one-on-one. Once they got to about freshman, sophomore year, they could really compete. I, ne- I, never, I was like, okay, I'm not going to play them, but they're always going to know how good I was. So I always kind of use that. I ne- yeah Yeah, never played them
1: one-on-one. Not in, that, not in that
2: environment. Mm-mm, not going to
1: do it. <laughs> well, and you're like, that's why I had twins, because now they can just play each other, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, great. Um, favorite basketball movie?
2: Favorite basketball movie? Uh, probably, you know, I. oh, man. I'd probably say uh, either Coach Carter or, um, gosh, I can't even think, what's the one with, uh, with Jesus Shuttlesworth? Yeah. He got game.
1: He got yes. Game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's... One of
1: those two. Yep. That's great. Yeah. No, coach Carter's come up quite a bit. Um, I, was I wasn't when... going to say space jam. So you know. oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I, well, I was kind of hoping for blue chips. Maybe I thought you were going to throw out some blue chips there for me, but <laughs> so no, that's great. Um, all right. Obviously spent a lot of time in Iowa city, gone to a lot of games, both playing and uh, to watch the boys, but uh, we come down and get a chance to go with you. Where do we got to stop and, uh, and get a bite to eat before we head over to Carver?
2: uh you either go to the wig and pen or pagli eyes pizza those are those are the two man i i love love those and but back in the day i probably would have said the vine because of the yep. wings but man wig and pen good. pizza or Pagley eyes
1: I'm, I'm with you on that especially wig and pen man that's like we got we got one out here in ankeny but i never make it up there so it's like wig and Pen's <laughs> only in iowa city that's the only yeah. one <laughs> there. <laughs> there you, there you. yeah yeah well, well, good. Um, so last one, we'll get you out on. You have kind of touched on it throughout the pod, but uh, you've been a Hawkeye for a long time, continue to be a Hawkeye, continue to be involved. Um, you've got a lot of years in the black and golden. So what's the, what's the best thing uh, about being able to be a Hawkeye?
2: All oh, the fans, you know, I think um, just the level of loyalty that the Iowa Hawkeye fans have. Like, that was one of the things that I saw on my visits. That's one of the things that I saw when, um, when I signed, just how people just... The love the Iowa Hawkeyes. And I think um, you travel well. I mean, it doesn't matter where you're at in the country. My wife was in Daytona Beach wearing, wearing an Iowa Hawkeye shirt on the beach and somebody stopped her because they were from Iowa. You know, so, so just the fan loyalty um, and the love of the university is probably the best thing um, that I would say being a Hawkeye fan has is, is meant to me.
1: Well, perfect. Hopefully, uh, hopefully continue to develop uh, your daughter and we'll have another one in black and gold here before too long. And so we look forward to it. We, we appreciate you taking some time reminiscing a little bit with us. Um, obviously, be following along the boys watching their journey. And, uh, you know, again, I, we appreciate you taking some time and thanks for jumping on the pod with us. No, I appreciate
2: it. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah, and as Brian said, Kenny, we appreciate it. It's great to meet you and uh, awesome to kind of reminisce about the, about those good old days that, uh, that we all remember so well. Um, and to our listeners, too, <clears throat> we appreciate you. If you like what you hear, we'd appreciate a five-star rating wherever you catch a podcast. You can find us on social media, on Facebook. Search for the Shooters Touch on Twitter and Instagram at IA, and at our brand-new website, ShootersTouchPodcast.com. And always remember, Shooters Shoot.
1: Had a bounce back, wasn't right in my mind. Hustlin' harder than ever before. Saying I change, cause I like when I shine. The diamonds hit different like Mike and his prime. I got the shooters' touch, yeah. Can't nobody ball like me.